here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Or you might be listening on Sunday night on AM 1260 WBIX, the business buzz. Uh, Either way, uh, welcome to the program. And we have a few things planned for today. We are going to be talking with Jill Trotta from RepairPal. And also there's some news out there about incentives for zero emissions vehicles are being explored for this comes from state house news it says what's it going to take to get you into a brand new zero emissions vehicle massachusetts car buyers will be hearing that question more frequently in the next decade as the state scrambles to get some 293,000 additional zero emissions vehicles on the road by 2025 to fulfill its obligation in a multi-state pact that aims to help states like massachusetts meet greenhouse gas reduction goals while also creating sustainable consumer markets for zero emissions vehicles between 2011 and the end of 2015, there were 65,000, almost 66,000 ZEVs, zero emission vehicles, sold in Massachusetts, according to the Association of Global Automakers, which means Massachusetts drivers will buy about 45 times more SUVs in the next nine years as they did in the previous five. To help increase the adoption and use of SUVs, uh, a couple of state reps filed a bill to create new incentives, and they really want to try to push this. It allows drivers of any battery vehicle, electric vehicle, to travel in HOV lanes. The bill would ensure open access to electric vehicle charging stations throughout the Commonwealth. Uh, Eldridge, uh, one of the state reps, said the bill would help support all the important industries. And uh, the three lawmakers on this past Tuesday hosted an hour-long briefing on zero emissions vehicle technology and electric vehicle charging technology in their legislation with representatives from the auto and charging industries to detail where the state's ZEV industry standards are going. There's a huge market of innovation. Um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I know at the the Tesla store, when the new Model 3 was becoming available or available to buy, they... I heard there was a line to get in to the local Tesla dealer. So kind of interesting that that many people are interested and they were willing to put down $1,000 because of it. So $1,000, fully refundable deposit is what people keep telling me. But they were uh, there was a line to go do that. So a lot of people do certainly have an interest and a lot of people have an interest to... Get these cars that will go a reasonable distance, and a reasonable distance is, you know, 250 miles or so between charges. Well, AAA New York, which is part of the AAA that I work for, they do a publication called Car and Travel. It's an actual magazine rather than a newspaper like we do. And in here, there was an article by Roberto Cruz, and it says, Words of the Wise. And it has a variety of different people that are trying to help you keep your car up. And uh, probably the most famous person in here is Jay Leno, host of Jay Leno's Garage on CNBC. And he says, tires like shoes. 
If you wear tire, if you uh, wear shoes that don't fit, your feet are going to hurt. And if your tires are not properly inflated, your car hurts. Make sure your tires have the correct amount of pressure. It will reduce rolling resistance and will improve your car's gas mileage. Mike Whalen from Subaru, the national sales training manager, says check the fluid reservoirs under your hood of your vehicle to make sure they are properly filled. Washer fluid, oil, coolant levels all should be checked on a regular basis to keep your car in top running condition. Um, Eric Tingwell, he's the technical editor for Car and Driver. Follow the owner's manual. I want to follow the owner's manual. Uh, when it comes to intervals for oil changes, coolant flushes, filter replacements, the 3,000-mile oil change is virtually obsolete these days, but service shops are happy to do the job and take your money if you don't know better. Uh, Roberto McGinnis, vice president of Mopar Sales and Product Development, says... Poor airflow to the engine inhibits performance and can generate greater fuel consumption. A new air filter allows clean, unrestricted airflow. Kelly O'Neill, a senior manager at General Motors Customer Care and After Sales, sometimes your vehicle's brakes will alert you when there's trouble. Whistling noises, chirping sounds, and grinding are indication that brake repair is required. Joe DiMaggio, he is deputy editor of Road and Track. Go for a drive, a real drive, not one on the highway, um, not your commute, not to the grocery store. Turn down the radio, open your windows, you'll learn your car is more than a boring place to sit on weekday mornings and evenings. Robert Sinclair, Jr., who works with me, says, uh, when buying a new car, beware of lowball offers by dealers for your trade-in, realistic vehicle prices can be determined by used car ads or specialized websites. Dealers will usually undercut values a little so they can turn a profit. But watch out for gougers. Matt Jones of Edmunds.com. For a speedy sales process, bring the right paperwork to the dealership. Uh, Craig Jackson from Barrett-Jackson Auction says, When buying a classic car, hire an expert and really give the car a good inspection. There's a lot of fakes out there. Uh, you want to know that what you're buying is the real deal. And then there's this guy, John Paul, AAA's car doctor, says, before you trade in your old car, spend a little time cleaning it. A fresh coat of wax, a clean, good-smelling interior, topped-off fluids can make a significant difference in what the car is worth for a trade-in. Well, we ha- we were supposed to have a guest from... Uh, from RepairPal on the line with us, Jill Trotter. She is the Automotive Group Director, but we can't seem to get a hold of her. And I had a little bit of a concern because when we set up the interview, um, she lives in California. Uh, but let's talk to Tom on line two. Hey, Tom. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? Nice Sunday, huh, for a change? Yeah, it's, it's nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's nice to actually see some sun for a while, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, you know, I as I was heading here this morning, I was kind of thinking to myself, am I late? Because it's been either cloudy or rainy or cold, and I was I was a little, you know, I kept thinking, is it really maybe like 10 o'clock and I overslept somehow? I wasn't, I wasn't right. sure. Yeah. It's 70, it's warm out, yeah, exactly. Yeah. A uh, question I have for you, John, is uh, you've test drived the Chevy Trax. That's a small SUV. I is did. It? And give me your uh, thoughts on it. It was economical. It was it it rode pretty well. It had enough power. My wife, after being in it for about an hour, said the seats were the most uncomfortable she ever sat in. 
Hmm. We were we decided to take a ride one day while I had it. This was last summer, and we um, we drove it. We drove uh, probably probably ninety minutes, maybe two hours. We were stuck in traffic, and my wife my wife kind of said, "Ah, I really could use to get out of this." Mm-hmm. And uh, but other than that, I mean, as far as being a, a, a practical little vehicle, it did pretty well. The Buick Encore is very similar. A uh, little more comfortable seats in the Encore. Um, it's, is the Encore smaller though? Like a, it just it looks smaller, but okay. it really, but it really, it's the same. It's the same platform. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's good to yeah. know because we were in there that car and it just felt a little tight because the person that's going to be buying is going from a Terrain, which is a big vehicle. Right. Wants to downsize a little bit, so we were thinking of that one. Maybe the uh, what's the next one down? Equinox. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. The Equinox actually has kind of grown up in size over the years, so it actually got a little bit bigger. But the but um, I think the, I think the track the tracks is kind of funny. The tracks I think is actually built on the on like the Chevy Spark platform. Uh, so it's like this little you know little SUV. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody you know it runs a little 1.4 turbo engine in it. Uh, you know, it's, mm-hmm. so it's a uh, it's you know it's not the peppiest thing in the world, but you know it's going to get pretty decent fuel economy. And the other thing I don't, I don't know if the person would be all that interested, but there was some really good lease deals on both the tracks and the Encore. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll yeah, I mean, for you know, I'm not, I'm generally not a lease person, but yeah, I think you could lease these with a little bit of a deposit for something like $169 a month or something like that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It might be a good deal because the person's in his 80s and they don't drive very much. Oh, okay. You know? So yeah. it might be ideal. I don't know. If yeah, you know, that... Yeah, that would be good. Plus, also, just the design of the vehicle. Um, pretty easy vehicle to get in and out of. It's a nice height. Mm, yeah. yeah. That's exactly what yeah. I was looking for because it's uh, a certain height. You want too high, but not too low. Right, right. Yeah, you know, getting having to kind of drag yourself in and out of something like that isn't that much fun either, so... Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That sounds okay. Yeah. Uh, I would. I. I certainly would. You know. I would certainly take a look at it. Um, the other ones, and these are all of a sudden. I thought these were going to get. This style vehicle was going to get really popular. Like Honda came out with the HHR, sort of a small vehicle of the C. You know, smaller than the CRV. Um, right. HRV rather. And I thought they would. You know, sell like hotcakes. They're mm-hmm. doing okay, but mm-hmm. I don't think they're doing i you know still people want bigger you know bigger vehicles still and but you know for somebody who's looking for something that's economical reasonably easy to park and maneuver around you know it has a backup camera so it makes it a little bit easier to park yeah the big dilemma for us is it has to be american oh okay <laughs> you know and you know that uh, yeah you know what happens when people have been driven their whole life and if you go to the japanese you know little things are reversed yep backwards and so forth nope, and nope. i think american seats are more comfortable than uh Japanese you know i gotta i gotta tell you generally you know you know i kind of look back at some cars i'm like you know that uh you know that chevy estate wagon with that giant bench seat was uh you know it it, it right. was like it was like sitting in your living room couch exactly exactly and, the yeah. seats, and i noticed in the more of the japanese cars are just not as Seem as thick and as comfortable as American uh, big vehicles. Well, yeah, because everything adds weight, you know, and it's sort of like the old idea of, you know, the the best mattress for you is the one that's really firm. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, a firm car seat is good too. And it probably is, to some extent, it's probably better for your back. But when you're first sitting in it, you, I don't know. True. Probably not quite as comfy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, thank you anyway. Okay. All right. Yeah, very good. Thank you, John. All right, take care, Tom. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030, is how you get through and talk to us, because it looks like our guest may be not calling in today. So, phone lines are open now if you want to give us a call. Um, we were talking about, uh, you know, what's going on with Volkswagen, and no one really knows yet. Uh, the A San Francisco federal judge said uh, that Volkswagen will offer to repurchase or modify 500,000 vehicle ve- diesel vehicles to meet tailpipe standards under the broad outlines of a deal reached with the U.S. and California authorities. No one still really knows. This is still sort of a rumor. U.S. District Court Charles uh, Breyer, who was overseeing the case which consolidates more than 500,000 federal lawsuits, told the courtroom that uh, consumers will receive a substantial compensation on top of the buyback or fix. Press reports said VW will make payouts of $5,000 each. Again, no one's really saying that is really the case. Breyer and Volkswagen also will be required to promote green initiatives, so they're being punished, and they have to make green cars, I guess, so which is what everyone thought they were doing with the diesel. They were making clean diesels. Um, While the deal helps Volkswagen avoid litigation, may help uh, moderate the fines it will face up to $46 billion under the Clean Air Act. It's not clear that it satisfies Volkswagen owners. If they did get the car fixed, the details which have not been spelled out yet. It's likely to reduce acceleration and fuel economy, two main reasons people bought a diesel um, in the first place. Again, I don't think for most people... When you, when you hit the accelerator, the thing's going to take off like a diesel with all the torque. And, yeah, it might be a second slower to 60 miles an hour. But I think most people that are buying diesels are buying them for economy. And from all the reports I have seen, the fuel economy is going to settle in about what you were promised. Now, cars actually did a little bit better than that. But I think you're going to end up, you know, at what it was promised. So, so who knows? Well... Do you think they'll really be self-driving cars? Well, according to Google and Chrysler and Merida, (laughs) maybe. Uh, Google has agreed to buy 100 plug-in hybrid minivans from Fiat Chrysler to expand its self-driving vehicle um, testing program. The two companies uh, said said this week that an advanced partnership... uh, We'll uh, get together with Google in the Silicon Valley and, and, and the car maker. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it's pretty exciting stuff. Fiat uh, Chrysler has a nimble and experienced engineering uh, team, and they can work with this uh, hybrid minivan. And the uh, Pacifica is the only hybrid minivan that I'm aware of on the market. I haven't driven it yet, but people have told me it's actually it's actually quite good. So... And the story came up in a couple of different places. So there's also, you know, Ford Motor Company, Volvo, and uh, Lyft and Uber are also working on self-driving vehicles. So I don't know if that means that there'll be no driver whatsoever and you just get in it and tell it where you want it to go. But the Self-Driving Coalition for Safer Streets, which includes Uber, Lyft, is to work with lawmakers, regulators, and the public to realize the safety and societal benefits of self-driving vehicles. The coalition uh, said David Strickland, the former top official of U.S. National Traffic Safety Administration, top U.S. auto safety agency, is writing new guidance on self-driving cars, and the coalition's uh, 
you know, working with everybody for that. The best path for this innovation is to have one clear set of federal standards, and the coalition will work with policymakers to find the right solution to facilitate the development of self-driving vehicles. Uh, NHTSA is holding the second of two public forums on its self-driving car guidelines. They'll feature comments from tech companies and automakers at Stanford University. NHTSA did not immediately return a message seeking comment on the coalition. Ford said in a statement the group will work together to advocate for policy solutions that will support the deployment of fully autonomous vehicles. NHTSA hopes to release its guidance uh, to states and policymakers uh, before July 4th. Uh, California has been proposed uh, barring self-driving vehicles that do not have steering wheels, pedals, or licensed drivers ready to take over an emergency, which Google has opposed. I don't know. The cars might be smarter than some of the drivers. I was in a self-driving car this week. I was in a Tesla and um, didn't program it to go anywhere, although in theory I suppose you could. Uh, First off... um, there was an app on the person's phone that the car would come to you. So he pushed his phone button and the car started to back out of his parking spot towards him and he stopped it just before it ran into another car. It wasn't going so well in the self-backing, self-backing up, no person in the car mode. Because it looked like there was a car, it was sort of getting really close to the edge of an island where there was another car parked. And it looked like they may have, could have, it couldn't, it could have gotten bad. But then we got in the car, hit all the buttons for self-driving mode. And other than adjusting speed with the cruise control, I bet we drove for 8 or 10 miles without touching the steering wheel. And when we put the directional off, put the directional on, it actually took the off-ramp by itself. But it's not perfect. It can get a little confused. Uh, Not quite ready yet, but in I can see how in self-driving mode, if you were driving along and you had it set for self-driving, even though you had your hands on the wheel, and for some reason you got distracted... You know, maybe you saw something in the road, maybe your phone rang, you decided to look at a text message, you were doing something with, uh, I don't know, navigation systems, whatever the case is, uh, it would take over. Looking out in the parking lot now, a Volvo almost ran into uh, into a Mercury uh, Mariner that just went by, and who knows, if, it was in, if everything was in self-driving mode, that would have happened, nobody would have said anything, and they would have just... Moved on. So, uh, big changes are in store for Honda's next generation CRV, the top selling crossover in the U.S. last year. Um, a prototype caught testing indicates the compact crossover will be bigger than the current version and will get some bold new styling. Uh, it looks like they're going to add a little bit of uh, character to the car. The CRV's head uh, taillights wrap from the tailgate around the side and up the side of the glass. They also stick out from the body of the vehicle, similar to the production version of um, Toyota's CHR, which debuted in Geneva this uh, past March. The front of the CRV cotton testing appears to use the same optional LED headlight design that's available on the Civic and has a more chiseled grille. Uh, design of the current generation. Honda hasn't confirmed that a new CRV will get bigger, 
Those five tourists report the vehicle looks larger on the road than the current version. There's also rumors of a three-row variant of the model. A turbocharged four-cylinder engine is expected to be offered as an option, and maybe a hybrid version will be added to counter the hybrid RAV4 EV. A plug-in hybrid may also uh, join that lineup. As Honda has indicated, his plans to begin offering plug-in variants of their vehicles. Honda hasn't confirmed whether a fifth-generation CRV will de- debut, but it's expected next year. The CRV is one of Honda's most popular vehicles, beating the Civic in 2015 in U.S. sales. So it's sold about 345,000 of these things. So they've sold a ton of them, and they do pretty well. And when people ask me about a small SUV, the CRV is one of the first ones that I will generally uh, recommend. So. If you have a question about your car and you want to give us a call, our phone number, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. I guess Tom had a second question, a follow-up question. Hey, Tom. Okay, my real question was the first, but the wife took over and made me ask about the tracks. For okay. She, and then I forgot what I really called. All right. Okay, I'm working on my motorcycle. It's a 70s Japanese motorcycle. Yep. And I noticed the battery just doesn't seem to be charging up as well. Mm-hmm. So I got my voltmeter out. And on this particular one, you know, the headlight stays on? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I put the voltmeter on the battery, just hook it up on the battery and rev it up, it's charging at like 12.50. Mm-hmm. Now, if I disconnect the headlight, mm-hmm. it'll go right up there to 14, 15 mm-hmm. volts. So mm-hmm. it's like marginal. I'm like, hmm. So I've disconnected the regulator because ma- one of the manuals yep. says, try that, and it's charging pretty much the same, even higher without the mm. regular. Yeah, well, that would make sense, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so what, I'm, what I want to test is <clears throat> maybe what they call it, the parasitic drain. Yeah, well, that would tell you if just something is drawing the battery down when it's being parked. R- right. Right. But I, I figured I might as well check that anyway, so... Where does the meter go? For, uh, that's yeah, but that would be unusual that that would be the case. Well, the only reason is I really haven't been driving it. Yeah. You know how, old, I mean? how, old's, how old's the battery in this? I, this, I don't know because I purchased it, uh, and I'm not really sure. The guy said it was good, but that doesn't mean it. If I charge yeah. it up on my charger, yeah. it will go up to 13 volts. Right. And, you know, I put it in, it starts fine. It yeah. seems almost like if it's running with it on, but... Just idling and working on it, not really See, they, driving. Yeah. Um, Even if I rev it up to four grand and hold it with that headlight on, it stays right at that twelve five twelve six. Yeah, I mean, it almost sounds like the alternator's getting a little bit weak. Yeah, the stator. And yeah, it, it's you know it's certainly possible, but you know the uh, alternators don't go bad that often on motorcycles. So. No. So uh, I'm wondering if the battery isn't up to where it should be. And if the internal resistance in the battery is high, like it's starting to just, you know, you know, head on its way out, that it may just not be able to take a charge the way it should with the alternator. So, I mean, you could you could certainly, you know, whether it's a voltmeter or a test light, you could, you know, disconnect. You could disconnect the, you know, the um, 
positive battery cable, put a test light between it, and look and see if you have voltage with everything shut off, and it's going to tell you whether, you know, there's something drawing. But the only thing that would draw would, you know, when you shut the key off on that, it shuts everything down. So it would be odd that there would be, right. you know, that the, the, the alternator, for instance, would be, you know, would be, the field would stay on. If that was the case, you'd be seeing a big draw on it. So, right. Yeah. So- if I put a so the test light is, yeah it shouldn't come on at all. Yeah, if I put a yeah. voltmeter, yeah, it shouldn't be anything, not even. Yeah. It, I mean, you'll see, you'll see the problem. The problem is a voltmeter is pretty sensitive. Sense, so okay, that's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, okay. you're really looking for you're looking for amperage as much as anything. So, but you know, if you see some voltage, but I, you know, I think, you know, I you're not going to get you don't get much charging voltage. You know, when a motorcycle's sitting just idling, it doesn't really charge at all. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So it is when it's under, you know, when it's under a load. So based on that, I would say that... Uh, but, like I said, yeah. you know, with the, with the light on and revving it at four grand and keeping it up there where it should... Yeah, it, it stays the yeah. same, but with the headlight off, you'll jump right up. Yeah, 16, yeah. In that, case, in that case, it makes it sound like the, like the alternator's... Yeah, getting they, weak, right. you know, because what you're doing is you're you're putting, you know, you're you're taking out the thing that it needs to replenish for, which is a which is a headlight. So, right. But I looked up the watch. It's like only a fifty watt. It's just funny how much that affects. Yeah. You know, uh, just it's just kind of weird. Like I said, I, I buy a battery. It's not that. It's just that I don't want to buy a battery and then have a problem because then once you start killing a good battery. You right, know, right. You know, that's why I'd rather go through all yeah. of this. Yeah, the problem out. is if for some reason that battery won't take a charge properly, it's going to throw the alternator reading off. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, oh, well, okay. Yeah. That's, uh, right. Yeah. Okay. And, and my motorcycle battery buying experience is uh, if you're trying to get a decent battery at a sh- cheap price, go to Walmart. Yeah, they don't carry for this. They don't carry for that one? No. Yeah, this one here, they only don't go up to that side. But I actually, somebody somewhere mentioned that actually AutoZone had a pretty good one. Yeah. There's a problem. But but the. uh, Yeah, the other other thing is, I don't, you know, the other thing is you can, you know, some of the digital battery testers can can be set really, really low. So you might have. I took two of them. I took two of them up. Okay. Yeah. I was worried about that too because I purchased yeah. a new one and I hooked that up and it, it, they're exactly the same. Yeah. Way. What's the okay? What's the simplest way to check? The, okay, the battery is dry. You know what I mean? It yeah. uh, doesn't have. Yeah. The, uh, how, how can that be checked? Um, you used to do a hydrometer. But yeah. You can. So I don't know. Is there? <laughs> yeah. Does does that? Uh, you know, it is dry, but well, is it dry, dry because the caps are? No caps. No, no caps at all. Okay. Yeah, it's no. It's conventional, but with no, it doesn't have the water. You don't okay. have water on this particular yeah. one. Because some of them, they they snap in, and they're meant to be sort of there only once. But um, right. Yeah. the The only other way is you 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 have to you have to measure. You have to either put a little bit of a load on it, which you can't do with a regular battery tester because you can't dial it down that low, or some of these. Um, capacitive testers and some of them you know i thought some of them were low enough where they could actually measure small batteries like that yeah okay yeah you know i'd i'd see maybe you know bring 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 the battery up to AutoZone and say can you test this little one (laughs) 
that's yeah. I'd be the last resort yeah. on that. Yeah, but I just figured I'd yeah. kind of but, like to But, kind you of know, if, you know, what you're telling me, it sounds more like a... Sounds more like a charging system problem. But again, I've run into a couple of things on boat motors and motorcycles where everything, you know, everything points to a bad charging system. And then you put a new battery in it and all of a sudden it's fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've heard that too. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I said, I will. But I just I've done that in the past, and then it's been the charging system yep. years ago, yep. and I've you know kind of ruining a new battery. With right. It, so right. I, you know. That's yeah, because I mean, when you really think about it, the battery's job on on a motorcycle is you know basically kind of to get it going, and then after that, it's not doing a, it's not working a whole heck of a lot on you know on especially a motorcycle from the seventies. Right. Yeah. 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 It's just one of those things. Yeah. Just are you going to be doing trivia today? I don't know yet. Oh, okay. You know what? Okay, because I'm going to listen. Are you doing that cube barn? Because I got a lot of plastic. I got a lot of plastic stuff to glue together. Well, then we'll have to come up with something for you. Okay, great. All right. All right. right. Hold on, Tom. All right. Bye bye. All right, we need to take another break. George, stay right there. We'll be with you in just a couple of minutes. If you would like to join us, 617-770-3030. We'll be right back. Now, if you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800 429 If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-429-3639 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-429-3639 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-429-3639. You've been listening to him for over 10 years now. Hi, this is John Paul, the Car Doctor. Good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to a special Car Doctor program. He's brought on many guests. With us on the phone is Wayne Carini. Wayne Carini is the host of Chasing Classic Cars on the Velocity Channel. That was uh, Eddie Wood of Wood Brothers Racing. They're running the the number 21 team. That's the uh, number 21 car I have with us as a guest, Ezra Dyer. Back on the phone is Lauren Fix, the car coach. Good morning, Lauren, and welcome back to Boston. 8.30 in the morning, I bet you got a shop full of cars. But with us on the phone is Herb Chambers. He's taken hundreds of calls. If you would like to join us, 617-770-3030. Let's go over to line one. Good morning, you're on the Car Doctor Program. We have the Rick Question of the Week presented by Executive Producer. 
Marina Mattel. And given countless amounts of advice. I like to use the gasoline stabilizer that's actually made for marine use. One in five cars on the road have a dirty air filter. One in five cars on the road have a fan belt issue. You know, obviously your clutch went bad while it was under warranty. You just weren't driving the car because it was winter time. All while keeping it real. Yeah, you know, some of those designs might have been not that well thought out. And of course, if you see... And the amber color fluid could be gas, so run. That's bad. That's, That's bad. Right? Yeah, yeah. you shouldn't get an inspection sticker that way because fumes and stuff can come up. And... Yeah. John Paul is the car doctor. I don't know. It's just it's just fascinating to me. Marita, have you ever been called my sidekick? We're so professional here today. <laughs> Let's take a call. Thank you for your listenership the last 10 years. Here's to 10 years more. Well, thank you very much. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program with trivia and all kinds of fun stuff. Make sure you wear your seatbelt. Drive safely. Don't text while you drive. And be good to your car. Bye-bye. John, this is Pat Ryan. I just want to congratulate you on 10 solid years of broadcasting with us here at Salem Radio Boston. You are a true pro who has added great content to our airwaves. Thank you again, John. You truly are the one and only Car Doctor. Now, let's get back to the Car Doctor. Well, I left Kentucky back in 49 and went to Detroit working on assembly line. The first year they had me putting wheels on Cadillacs. Every day I'd watch them beauties roll by and sometimes I'd hang my head and cry because I always wanted me one that was long and black. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL. And thank you, Marita, for putting together that little compilation of uh, of different things. That must have been you must have been up all night doing that. Jeez, and Pat Ryan, and yeah, wow, wow, that was good. Yeah, well, well, thank you. That was that was that was very nice. So I just don't know what to do other than why don't we take a phone call? Let's talk to George. Hey, George. Hi, John Paul. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. My stepson has a 1991 Volvo 240. Mm-hmm. It has over 200,000 miles, and this is the issue. If you're going to take the car in a 10, 15-minute drive, car will start up. If you park it, it will uh, start up right in the first crank. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're going to take a um, trip, let's say, half hour, 45 minutes, um, you'll crank it once. It will not start. Second time it will start, but then the RPMs will drop, it will stall, start it a third time, it's fine. And that's the issue that he's been having on this car. So, providing he's got a good battery, he really doesn't have a problem, right? He can just start it up three right. times, then it runs fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, uh, you know, one of the things that I would look at is poor connections from the battery there's also a relay a fuel pump relay that sits under i think it's under the dash or up into the up into the fuse box under under the dash somewhere i would look at that as as something that's getting you know starting to act up and causing a problem cuz i'm willing to bet when it doesn't start it has spark but it probably doesn't have fuel right 
Yeah, so I, I bet if you if you got it to do exactly the things that you said and you pulled a spark plug wire off while it wasn't starting, I would be willing to bet if you had a spark plug tester or a, uh, you know, just, you know, stuck a screwdriver in it and grounded it, I bet you would see spark, but I bet you wouldn't see fuel. And I would suspect maybe a fuel pump relay. Fuel pump relay. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of the direction that I would that that is pretty pretty common in these. So um, there's also a main computer relay that also helps run the fuel system. But the fuel pump relay is one of those things that seems to be you know seems seems to be something that can be more of a problem. And like I said, I I recall it to be. Um, Either it's part of the, it's it's near the fuel injection control unit, or it's or it's in it's uh, it's um, or it's this it's the system relay behind the behind the uh, kick panel in the door. It's somewhere in there, and, and it's but I, that's but I would be looking for bad battery connections, though. I'd be looking that, as I recall, has uh, has a battery cable that over time people tend to just fix them and could have poor connections going to it i'd be i'd be looking for electrical as it was affecting you know those kind of things more than anything else uh because you you know where you describe it as you know it starts up shut it off it starts back up shut it off it doesn't start the way it's supposed to i'm well i'm i'm willing to bet you're losing fuel for some reason Right, yeah, because yeah. Uh, yeah, like the, like I said, the second time it starts, but then the RPMs drop and drop and yeah. drop until it stalls. Right, right. So I mean, the other, the other, the other possibility, I suppose, and I don't know, you know, you kind of look at it and go, well, what's you know, what what could cause these kind of things? Could it be, you know, could it be related to the throttle body? Could it be, could it be a, you know, could it be a. a you know the fuel pressure regulate? No, I don't think so because I think as it's dropping, it's just not seeing enough fuel. So I think it's actually right. losing losing the fuel, and I bet you're not. I I think you're losing the fuel charge, and I'm willing to bet it's probably because when you're first turning the key on the fuel pump, I, I bet is not building up fuel pressure. So kind of the right thing to do would be put a you know fuel pressure tester on it and get it to cycle through the things that it does and see if it has fuel pressure or not. And if it doesn't, then look for why and like I said, I'm, I seem to remember, you know, way back when, you know, fuel fuel pump relay or or the main or the main um, main relay, which is the computer and fuel system relay, but also a lot of bad connections. So I would really want to get in there and try to clean up all of the uh, all of the positive and ground battery connections right off the battery. Right, you know, look for you know look for signs of bad connections. Right, and uh, if it had, yeah, if anything's questionable, just throw new battery cables at it. And- um, yeah, or or at least just make sure you know you know there's a lot you can do with a voltmeter and look at voltage drop and see if there's problems. But I, I'm willing to bet corrosion is is more of the issue somewhere, especially with a car that's uh, what 10, 25 years old almost. Yeah, and yeah. that's what I'm considering. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay, George. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you, George. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye. I believe that's just a guess, but I want to say that's George from Connecticut, who's uh, probably listening online. 
Our phone number again, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030, how you get through and talk to us about your car and your car problems, should you have any, and uh, maybe you have an old Volvo that you can help George with some of his problems, uh, you can give us a call and we'll we'll share that information. Is there a car show going on or a car club going on that uh, you would like to uh, like to talk to us about? Big swap meet today going on in... Um, down in Mansfield at the, we'll call it Great Woods because it'll always be Great Woods to me. So, two top manufacturing executives are leaving Tesla, including the global head of production. I wonder what that really means. Does it mean that things are not as happy at Tesla as they should be? And in case you're interested, Mazda produced its one millionth Miata. This year, in fact, this past month. 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Dale. Hi, Dale. Hi, John. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. Great show. Love it. Do a great job. What can we do uh, for you this morning? Uh, no, question, a problem, a starting problem as well. It seems to be a common topic this morning, but uh, I have a 2009 uh Greek, uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee. Okay. And um, replaced the starter about less than about nine months ago. And then we didn't have any problems starting it. And um, just recently, uh, off and on, when you go to start it, we're getting, it's not turning over at all. And we have to attempt to start it probably two or three times before we can get it to start. Mm. So it's just sort of, you know, doing nothing and then we're keeping our fingers crossed and a few more attempts we'll get it started again. So we had it looked at. Um, they replaced the wiring harness and they said they said they really couldn't find anything wrong with it but they just to be safe they replaced the I, I think they call it the pigtail. Mm-hmm. So that was done about three months ago and um, you know it seemed to get better but it, the problem is back again. So when you go, so when you go to start it, you go to turn the key and you go to start it, um, and it doesn't start. There's nothing, no click, no. Yeah, no click, nothing. Just the uh, the light, light from the dashboard. Mm. And so they put a starter in it, just sort of hoping for the best. Well, this was before this problem even occurred. We just okay. had no no start whatsoever. Okay. And then they put the starter in that solved the problem. But uh, so that now this is sort of the secondary phase that's that's going on about you know six seven months later. Just wondering if we, I wanted to mention that the starter is replaced, just so you knew that. And mm. Uh, mm. so um, you know we brought it in. They couldn't find anything, so they just replaced the harness, the, the um, pigtail to to be yep. safe. So. Um, did they replace the starter relay? Do you know? Uh, no, no. Hmm. I mean, the the, um, the starter relay sits inside. You know, for want of a better word, the fuse box. I think Chrysler calls it the power distribution center. Um, it's it's unusual on something that is this new that it would that it would need a relay, but on the other hand, it's possible it could. Um, that would be, you know, the, the, the starter relay, like, like 
all relays is just a switch that when you you know turn the key or push the button or however it starts it it just uh, applies current to the starter so the starter cranks over uh, like I said it's located in the engine compartment in the in in the uh, in the uh, like I said Chrysler uses the term power distribution center or something like that um, but that would be you know that would be if I had to just you know throw something out there to guess at that would be what I would guess at more than more than anything else um, and again it's a simple it's a simple doesn't take you know it takes five minutes to replace it um, is it is it under warranty still by any chance? Um, no, no, I mean, it has, no. it has a lifetime warranty on the motor, but right. on the powertrain, but, yeah. um, yeah. But yeah. when I'm, would they replace the starter relay when they replaced the starter originally? No. Would they put in possibly a, uh, sort of a reconditioned starter, do you think? Maybe? Yeah, prob- probably so. Would that, could that be possible? It's, it's possible, it's possible that, you know, it's possible if it was a rebuilt starter, depending on, how it was rebuilt. Uh, last week I told a story about I, you know, put a, a rebuilt alternator in my own car and, and you know, six months later the thing failed. So Yeah, the, the thing yeah. that's troubling, though, is that Jeep couldn't uh, determine the problem. Right. Um, I'm thinking, could it be fuel-related? If it's not, if it's making no sound, if you're turning the key or is it no a push-button starter, push-button starter or key? Okay. Key, yeah. If you're if you're turning if you're turning the key and there's no sound, it's not fuel related. It's it's definitely it's definitely um, related to the um, electrical. Now, could it be something like the neutral safety switch, which you know keeps you from starting the car when it's in drive, which is actually part of the transmission uh, selector switch? Um, you know, could that be it? it could be. Uh, you know, next time it doesn't start, try just turning the key, shifting it down into drive, put it back up in the park again, or put it into neutral and see if it starts. Okay. If that's the case, then it's not the starter at all, but it's the neutral safety switch that keeps the car from starting when it's in gear so it doesn't take off on its own. Okay. Uh, short of that, my next, you know, like I said, throw a dart out, you know, up in the air and see where it goes. My next guess would be the starter relay. Okay. Which I'm surprised they haven't actually. Which I'm surprised they haven't just done that just because. But um, but yeah, they would have. You know, putting putting the starter in is um, you know obviously a good guess. Changing the part of the wiring harness that the connectors go to the starter if they see signs of corrosion was a good enough guess, I guess. Mm -hmm. But if you're not getting anything, uh, you turn the key, you don't get, uh, you know, serious click or grind or something, I would, you know, my next thought from there would be the starter relay because it's it's relatively simple um, that it it could easily fail and that would certainly you know, give you all the same indications you're getting and sometimes it'll start and sometimes it won't. So, Uh and the other thing, of course, like you pointed out, is it a bad, you know, factory rebuilt starter? Well, it could be. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you said it was, it got better for a while? It did. It did. Um, it, uh, after they replaced the harness. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, I just brought the car in yesterday, to ha- uh, the day before, to have uh, a crankshaft seal replaced and took the car for a uh, 
uh, drive up north and uh, had a couple of problems while I was up there. Mm. I pulled into the gas station, filled it up after driving for about an hour and a half, and then leaving the station, it wouldn't turn over, you know, and then sat there for a minute and tried it, and it finally turned over. Then we went to the next destination, which was about an hour away, let the car sit for a couple of hours, got back in it, it wouldn't turn over, had to wait a minute, turned over. And, of course, we didn't start it on the way. Turn it mm. off on the way back for fear of getting yeah. Anyway. And it was exactly the same symptom when you went to start it. Same thing, no noise whatsoever. Yeah. Or, or, so it wasn't. It wasn't crank, crank, crank. It was just nothing at all. Yeah. Just uh, okay. Because yeah. the only reason I say that is, um, when you said they had they replaced the crankshaft seal, that always makes me wonder about the crankshaft sensor. But when the crankshaft sensor goes bad, typically you'll get. A cranking with no starting, as opposed to nothing at all. And yeah, nothing at all. The, nothing the at all. I'd go back to you know, go back to the the starter relay and you know, see what kind of see what happens from there. Okay, so the starter relay or the safety uh, neutral trans- safety switch, which is which is part of the whole transmission uh, shifting assembly. But a good way to check that is when it doesn't start. If you know, if you just kind of like playing with it in your driveway. Um, just, you know, put it, you know, shift it, turn the key on, shift it into neutral, and then see if it starts in neutral. Okay. If, and if it starts in neutral, you know that it's not the starter at all, but it's just, it's part of, and it's, it's something called a transmission range switch, which just tells the computer that it's in park, reverse, neutral, drive, whatever. So, okay. so yeah, so if you get it to start, and you can, you know, try either, you know, moving it in and out of gear, whatever the case is, and try it. Uh, but for... You know, fifteen or twenty dollars. I think I'd throw a starter relay in it. I don't yeah. think you know. I think the part is pretty inexpensive. You know, you hear about these situations where these uh, electrical problems go on forever and they're you know unsolvable. Um, but you think that it's something that if you try different things, ultimately, it'll well, I mean, I mean, you hate to use that sort of shotgun approach of you know, I'll just I'll replace everything in the car till I find it. Yeah. Um, you know the you know the other. And I, I don't remember who it was who actually said it, but sometimes, uh, um, you know, time is the ultimate diagnostic tool. <laughs> you know, eventually, eventually, it's just going to break, and when it breaks, you'll go, "Oh, that's what it was." But right. you could, you could go. I, I just, I just went on the Rock Auto website. I was just curious, um, and I just guessed that your Jeep may have a V eight in it, but they're probably, if not, they're probably the same. But the uh, the for a uh, standard motor products relay, which is not a bad brand, um, six dollars and three cents for a yeah. starter relay. And like I said, it's a matter of just locating it under the hood and pulling the old one out and putting a new one in. Okay. You know, for short money, it might be worth you know giving it a giving it a, at least. I hate to guess at things, but without actually seeing it do what it does and be able to test it. That's a pretty cheap guess. Yeah, um, that you think that's a do-it-yourself. Uh, yeah, if you can, you know, if you can unplug a toaster and plug it back in, you can do this. Okay. So yeah, all you have to do is, you know, look under the hood and identify it as a starter relay, and it's just a little square box. It's you know, you know, an, uh, you know, an inch, you know, inch square cube with uh, three or four terminals on the bottom of it. You unplug it and plug it in, and that's pretty much it. Great. All right, John. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Bye bye. 617 770 Let's go to Ray from Quincy and then maybe take another break. Ray, is that you? Yes. 
Yes. Hey, how, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. I got a quick question. Uh, I spoke to you once before about an El Camino and stuff like that. And I, I was, I was wondering. I looked at a um, a car. I just saw it online, and it said that it has. It's an automatic three hundred five. That's first, second, and third, but no overdrive. What do they mean by that? First, second, and third. It means that the um, the transmission's bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. I kind of figured that. Yeah. I figured yeah. I mean, they're not that old. Yeah, okay. the way the way that uh, you know the way that transmission worked in that the overdrive was actually a um, it was actually a, a band that held a. Uh, a clutch drum in place, as I recall, and if you did a lot of uh, driving around in second gear or doing a lot of downshifting, you'd I think you'd burn that you'd burn that clutch band out, and when it did, you'd lose you'd lose the overdrive. So yeah, it shifted for a second or third, but you know, it would the, just rev. It wouldn't it wouldn't change. It wouldn't change differential to maximize mileage. Yeah, exactly. So okay, yeah, so that's it's not. Yeah. It's not like the new cars where you press a button and you can go into. Oh. No, no, it's it's it's. To, I'm guessing to me it's got a bad it's got a bad band in the transmission. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, how expensive is that to fix? I mean, you pulling the transmission apart. So you know, you pulling the transmission out, you pulling it apart. If you pulling yeah. it apart, you might as well overhaul it. So you know, even even that old you know uh, you know it's probably a turbo three fifty in there maybe or something. No, it's, it's a- uh, 305. Oh, uh, yeah, but I mean, what, um, you know, how, what year El Camino is this? Uh, it's, I think it's an 83. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, it's probably, but the transmission is probably a turbo 350 transmission, oh, which, okay. is, which okay. is kind of, or it could even be a turbo 200. So it's a fairly light duty transmission, but I bet you're still looking at 1500 bucks to rebuild it. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good thing to know. And another question, a car that doesn't have a mileage on it, how does that affect the value of the car? I mean, well, if the speedometer doesn't work. Well, I mean, what happens is it it's, uh, you know, on a car that's, you know, old, it doesn't affect it as much as, you know, if, you know, if somebody's, if somebody's got a, you know, 1965 car and they say it's only got 100,000 miles on it, it's going to, you know, that raises the value. If right. it's a 65 car with 300,000 miles on it or, or unknown mileage on it, it really isn't going to affect the value. But you know, if it's a but if it's a car that is you know all put together and you don't know the mileage and you think it's low and it could be high, well, obviously it's got to have some effect for the value. And usually, what will happen is um, you just throw a high number at it. So you say, you know, if you know, if you say, well, I don't know, it's got three hundred thousand on it, and that's that's where the value is going to be affected. So it could be uh, it could be you know could take. You know, five hundred dollars off the price, or you know, depending on the car. So, is there any is there any way to kind of figure out what what uh, how much mileage is on the car by looking at it? Looking at the no, not with a car that age. That's pretty hard to do. Okay. Yeah, one of the things though, I would be cautious on that car is mm-hmm. look for look for frame rust, look for subframe yeah, rust. Yeah, you said that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards the three fifty if I can. You know, yeah, I because the three hundred five engines had camshaft problems too. Right. So, that. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. I was just getting close. I guess it's summertime now, and people are starting to throw them out everywhere. Yeah. 
And, yep. and they're just kind of looking at them. But then somebody told me that they were thinking about making an El Camino again, coming out with them. Well, not. I mean, in Holden, the, the Australian version of General Motors, they <laughs> always had something that looked like an El Camino. And Hyundai is actually, Hyundai claims they're going to come out with something that is sort of an El Camino kind of car. So I saw, I saw one at an auto show. It looked pretty good at the auto show. So you never know. Yeah, yeah, oh, no, no. Yeah, you know, part part of the problem was, you know, when they came out with the El Camino, it was it it was you know kind of half a car, half a truck, right. and then what happened was, you know, trucks stop being trucks. I mean, you can get trucks with you know heated and cooled seats and you know right. every option in them, so it's still a truck, but it's a truck as nice as any car. Where before it was kind of like, well, I need a truck sometimes, but I want to drive a car. And now the trucks are cars, and cars are not. So right, right, okay. Okay, great. Thanks All a right. lot. All right. All right. Thank bye you. Bye-bye. Let's go to Dan, who... No, we lost Dan. Okay. Uh, why don't we take another break? My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. And why don't we do a little trivia um, for a package of Q-Bond? <laughs> and the trivia question is, sort of like the El Camino, there was a Chevrolet pickup truck that had a sort of unique name to it. Well, this is the vaguest trivia question in a long time. So it had a unique name to it, and it was a very specialized pickup truck in the 50s, and it was as close to a car, but it was truly a pickup truck. What model designation was that Chevrolet pickup truck? You know the answer? Give us a call at 617-770-3030. And during the break, I'll try to clarify the question, at least in my head. We'll be right back. W-R-O-L Boston. Don't you just hate the hassle of car buying? Make it easy by finding your financing first. Hi, I'm Kevin Chapman. As a member of the City of Boston Credit Union for over two decades, I know that they always put their members first with some of the most competitive car rates around. You can figure out what you want to spend before you even go shopping. Come visit the City of Boston Credit Union at cityofbostoncu.com and apply today. Or call 617-635-4545. City of Boston Credit Union. Uniquely Boston. Equal Opportunity Lender. 
Honda Cars of Boston is Greater Boston's neighborhood Honda dealer with over 800 new Hondas available to choose from. Just five minutes from Boston on Route 99 in Everett, our beautiful new showroom makes your Honda Cars of Boston experience even better. Visit online at hondacarsofboston.com and see all of our tremendous purchase, lease, finance, and certified pre-owned specials. Honda Cars of Boston on Route 99 in Everett is the place for great buys from the Honda guys. Give them a call at 1-800-65-HONDA. Sullivan Tire is proud to be New England's Michelin Tire Headquarters. Michelin Tires are known for their great tread design, durability, and handling. Stop into your local Sullivan Tire and Auto Service today and check out our new lower pricing on such tires as the Michelin Premier AS, the Michelin Premier LTX, and so much more. Remember, we'll keep your car running right all season long. Stop in for our thorough factory-scheduled maintenance check. Our ASC certified technicians will check out your battery and charging system, radiator and antifreeze, inspect your tires and air pressure, brakes, all system fluids, steering and suspension, belts, hoses, the exhaust system, exterior lights, wiper blades, and more. Head to any of our 68 locations to save big on a great selection of Michelin tires and check out the best auto maintenance in the industry. Call 877-592-TIRE or visit SullivanTire.com. Peace of mind driving. You deserve it. We provide it. Now, let's get back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, The Spirit of Boston. And if you see our buddy Jay Davidson's wife, Brenda, this week, it's her birthday coming up this week. So you see her, wish her a happy birthday. I don't know where you'd see her, but you never know. <laughs> Let's talk to Ray on line one. Ray? Uh, I don't El Camino. Know. I, what, what year did you say this was? The what? The, the El Camino? No, for the... the, the um, oh, trivia question? question? Right, right. What year? Uh, uh, mid mid fifties. So okay. uh, nineteen fifty five ish. It was a Chevy. It was a Chevy. What kind of right. Chevy? It was a Chevy Cameo. Cameo. You're absolutely right. It was a Chevy Cameo. Okay. That uh, was uh, that uh, was a uh, that was a pickup truck that uh, you know that was probably as close to being not a pickup truck because it used uh, you know they they used uh, wraparound windshield and they tucked all the. You know, tucked all the trim in. It was a. It was a. I've only seen a couple of them. They were pretty. They were pretty uh, good-looking trucks in this in the day. Chopped. It was chopped. It looked like a car. Yeah, no, it did. Yeah, it like yep. a car. Oh yeah. 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 yeah I, I wasn't sure about the year when I was just. Yeah, it was. I think it was fifty-five, six, and seven, and I think fifty-eight was the last year for it. And then yeah. I think in fifty-eight they came out with the the fleet side, which was completely different. You know, which right, was completely different. I wasn't different. sure about the year. Yeah. I, I seen. I saw another one, and I I looked at it. Uh, so some, in Brockton, and it was a uh, Caballero. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a GMC. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, uh, yeah but the, as far as the Chevy Cameo, that was yeah, fifty five right. to fifty eight, and it uh, they had sculpted doors and fenders, and uh, 
the hood was lower and flatter than you know other ones, and the uh, grill was a little bit different. It was just a, it was 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 a pretty, uh, it was a pretty uh, different departure from a truck. And they were trying to, I don't know who they were trying to compete with because I don't think there was anything else out there like it. So it stood no, at a, nothing, it was, no. yeah. yeah, there was nothing out there like yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. All right, st- stay right there, Marita. We'll uh, uh, we'll give you we'll give you a, a choice. Uh, uh, Cubon, the magic uh, the magic super glue with the additive, or uh, a bottle of two hundred mile an hour wax. Um, I don't know. I guess the two hundred mile an hour wax. Two hundred mile an hour wax is a good choice. Uh, that stuff it, it's uh, easy to apply. It lasts a long time, and it's uh, gives the car a nice shine afterwards. So. So you it's, wash the car and then just throw it on. Uh, yeah, you know, you, you follow the directions, but it's, it okay. goes on and off easy, and it's uh, it, it's um, it's um, you know, some people will tell you it's car it's it's uh, car show wax, so it's uh, okay, does great. It, yeah. All right, so stay right there, okay? Okay, thank you. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, so Marita will do that. She's got a long Rick question of the week, and do we still have? Let's go over to line one, I guess. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Hello, John. How are Tom. you? <laughs> See, you were so close, Tom. But I'm wrong. But you're wrong. Yeah, I actually did. I had the wrong answer, so that's okay. You know, you know what? Because I feel bad about you and your broken <laughs> motorcycle parts. We'll, 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 give you, we'll give you a sample of Cubon. How's that? Oh, thank you. I was wrong, though. You know, I was going to say, I was thinking... I, I was thinking of something else. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of vague, and I'm like, is it the El Camino? Is it yeah. this or that? Yeah. But, anyway. but, but, uh, but it's uh, probably going to be a week or so before oh, you get it in the mail. But Yeah, I'm putting it on the rod. This way, my side cover's cracked, and yeah. the way they poke in, they, they keep cracking. This Cuban might be a, a good solve. Yeah, what it, what it, it, the thing that makes the stuff better than just glue is it, and I, I guess it's probably not magic it's just they they have this special ground up powder that you put the when you glue it all together rather than be a little super fussy with the glue you add this powder to it and then what it does is it blends the glue with the powder with the other plastics and then it kind of makes it like a one-piece thing so Hmm, yeah That yeah. sounds interesting. Yeah, that's perfect for me. Thank you yeah, very much. Yeah, I, I, the other thing that the other thing to do if you're out on the internet with nothing to do one day, go to uh, look up uh, look up J and P Cycles. Yes, I know. And, I yeah, them, yeah, and uh, they have a nice little they have a nice little uh, way to uh, test out your motorcycle charging system. Okay, I make a note of it. All right, all right. Great. Okay, thank you. Yeah, all right. Thank you very much. All right, bye-bye. take care, Tom. Bye bye. All right, don't don't go anywhere. So yeah. uh, okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Let's see. Rick says to us, common sense while driving. Rick got a bee sting above his eye, caused swelling, difficult vision, probably not a good idea to drive his motorcycle. Use common sense when you should and should not drive. Well, yeah, you shouldn't. If you can't see, it's not a good time to drive. That's pretty pretty clear cut. So, uh yeah, if you if you think there's a, you know, if you get, if you, I, I have been, and it's kind of funny, you, you think, how did you get stung by a bee? What did it fly backwards into you? You know, the stinger's at the back, after all. But I got hit by a bee dead center in kind of the middle of my chest uh, riding a motorcycle one time, and it hurt. And, um, yeah, but if you can't, if your vision's a little bit hampered, especially if your eye's swollen, probably isn't, probably isn't the best idea to be behind the wheel of, or behind the handlebars of anything at that point, so... Just something, something to think about.
Well, apparently the Hyundai Elantra is not selling that well, which is sort of a surprise. But Hyundai Motor Company hoped uh, to fresh styling would help the Elantra keep its uh, spot behind the Civic and the Corolla. Instead, after January's redesign, sales actually didn't do as well. Through the first four months of 2016, Hyundai sold 51,000, almost 52,000 of its number two selling U.S. model, a 34% decline from a year earlier that caused the Elantra to slip into fifth in the segment behind the Sentra and the Focus, um, narrowly ahead of the Chevrolet Cruze. Meanwhile, sales of the redesigned Civic soared about 29% from a year ago because, well, the old Civic wasn't that good. That's why. Well, I shouldn't say that. They cheapened up this older. They cheapened up the Civic for a while, and it felt a little tinny. And then they kind of came back right away and sort sort of fixed it. So it, it now the Civic is a re- nice, really nice car. And the new Civic, the brand new Civic with the turbocharged engine in it, they did a really, really nice job with it. Uh, blaming the sales. Uh, downturn, there's, say, the redesigned 2017 Elantra. Uh, they're hoping to ease some sticker shock a little bit with a 36-month lease. Two, $2,000 down and $169 a month. Uh, $10 per month less than Honda asked for the Civic. Not un- all that unusual during launch phases, according to Jim Trainer, who's a very nice guy, actually, wrote in an email. We're adjusting incentives accordingly to restore our historical positioning of the fiercely competitive segment. The Elantra's a nice little car. They actually did They actually did a nice job with the Elantra. So, so um, to Ray and Quincy, you will get some wax. To Tom and Weymouth, you'll get some glue. Um, hopefully, the two people don't get them confused and glue one thing together and cause other problems. Well, there's going to be a smaller, uh, you know, I was saying the GMC Terrain is getting bigger. Apparently, there's going to be a smaller one coming out in the next couple of years, the 2018 Terrain. Spy shots of a camouflage next-generation GMC Terrain show a compact crossover. will lose its uh, toaster-shaped silhouette and adopt a sleeker, less upright shape with a raked windshield and what looks like a lower roof line. It looks sort of like a, the picture makes it look like a Cadillac SRX from 2005 which is not necessarily a not a compliment but either way the next uh, generation terrain will get its corporate cousin the Chevrolet Equinox are expected to shrink a little bit which again seems a little funny Mercedes actually is coming out with a pickup truck whoever thought that would actually be the case but Mercedes is coming out with a pickup truck spy shots taken in Germany have uh, merged with a much discussed pickup Mercedes-Benz, the truck is likely to be based on the GLT, or named GLT, and it will be based on the Nissan Navara, which it appears to have all new sheet metal. So it's going to be kind of this joint effort between Renault, Nissan, and and Mercedes. Um, I don't know. We'll see whether they actually sell it or not. And the other big news is it looks like Nissan is just bought or is buying controlling interest in Mitsubishi. Mitsubishi has not been doing great in the United States, but they have some pretty good products. Let's um, let's see what do we got. Let's go to Robert on line two. Robert, good morning, John. How good morning. Are you? Good and yourself? Not too bad. I just a couple of weeks late, but I was going to call you a few weeks ago and thank you for the T-shirt. Oh, okay. On the previous trivia. Oh, I keep forgetting we have we have T-shirts we could give away too. Yeah, which, yeah. Which like, if that if that was the case, that means I don't have to do anything. Marita mails them out. Yeah, that's, that's even better. Like Paul Sullivan had something to do with this one. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it could be. <laughs> yeah, uh, that today's trivia. I didn't know the answer to that, but you know, 
I'm going to give it a few months before I call yeah. again. Uh, also, I believe Chrysler, about the same time period, they had a Dodge with like a car back in the, you know, how the fins were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't remember what they called it. They might have had a special name for mm. it. I do remember seeing it. Maybe mm. even the Plymouth, when they had Plymouth trucks around, too. Well, that's what, uh, there was a few Plymouth trucks, and that was the, uh, it's funny, that's what a lot of people, the PT Cruiser, everybody kind of said, what does PT stand for? And um, some people said personal transportation, other people said it was kind of a paid, you know, kind of a little historical connection to Plymouth Truck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there was a lot of those uh Names, you know, Mercury had a truck, and you know, so on. They, well, I, I mean, even <laughs> even not that many years ago, Lincoln had a tried a yeah, pickup yeah, truck, the Black yeah. Black Hawk or Black yeah, something. Every, yeah, every few years they bring it out for three years yeah. and they cancel it. Yeah, and then they decide that was a stupid idea, which <laughs> kind of makes me think Mercedes coming out with a pickup truck that's really a Nissan Titan sounds kind of silly, but yeah. But the nameplate might sell it. Yeah, I mean, there are there are people that want it's a little different than an SUV. You know, when I thought about you you know Porsche coming out with an SUV, it you know I said why would why would that ever happen? Why would why would Porsche build an SUV? And their SUV is one of their best sellers. So yeah, yeah shows true. shows why I'm not in the and, car I mean, marketing business. They do business. make trucks in other countries. Yeah. So, you know, oh yeah. What next? BMW and Audi. You know. Well, I mean, it's, you know, you look at those, you know, I still think there's a market for a cheap pickup truck. I think there's a market for a basic, yeah. bare bones, you know, let somebody like Kia or a Hyundai make it and have it be kind of a, you know, almost like an old time Toyota pickup or a Nissan pickup about that size, pretty basic inside. You know, the cheapest Toyota Tacoma pickup truck you can buy is about 23000 Everybody says, well, that's a really good deal for a two-wheel drive basic pickup, yeah. but it seems like somebody could build one for sixteen or 17000 Yeah, I mean, I like to see them do that with the full-size domestic trucks. Yeah. Back, make the manual transmission available. I mean, if you want a stripped interior, you know, fine. Make it almost like the Roadrunner, the GTO, and the Mustang used to be. They had this list of options as long as you're on. A la carte. You didn't have to package everything. It just seems to me it might work again now. Yeah, yeah well, you never know. You yeah. never know. Anyways, uh, thanks again, John. All right. All right. Day. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Let's take uh, one more call. Let's go to Jack on line one. Hey, Jack. Hey, good morning, John Paul. How are you? Top of the morning to you. Top of the morning to you as well. I'm okay. Hey, a friend of mine selling a, a 2005 Lexus 430 LS. Yeah, LS 430, yeah. Yeah. What's your uh, thoughts about that, baby? It's got whole miles. And the book value on Kelly Blue Books around seventeen thousand. What's he looking to get for it? Oh, uh, best offer around seventeen. About seventeen, yeah. I mean, they're they're awful nice cars. I mean, they were they. What year did you say it was? An oh five. Oh five. That was the car that way back when. Back then, Consumer Reports said that's the luxury car they're they're judging every other luxury car by. How's the? Uh, Maintenance yeah, reliability's really good on those cars. Even with all the electronics in it, you know, they 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 have historically had, you know, some good reliability numbers, so there is no, you know, there's no reason to think that they wouldn't be um you know, it is, you know, it is, you know, you think about reliable cars, you think about Toyota and Honda and, you know, Lexus is, you know, for want of a better word, you know, Lexus is, you know, about the same. So, you know, you you know, it's hard to say with a car that's getting older like that, 
But generally speaking, you, you know, you look at that car and go, it can't be a whole lot wrong with it. But but again, it's a how what, what is it, eleven years old, right? Yeah. Yeah, so an 11-year-old car is an 11-year-old car. It can still have problems, but it isn't anything that I would really worry about. The engine, the engine's bulletproof. The transmission's bulletproof. Some of the electronics could come back to haunt you, I suppose. But yeah, it looks like a, a, a medium-range horsepower engine supposed to get over 20 miles a gallon on the highway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do pretty well. It's the kind of the technology in the car sometimes can be a little bit of a headache sometimes, but. Um, but no, I wouldn't. You know, if you're looking for if you're looking for a big luxury cruiser, that's yeah. a good. That's a nice car. Oh, good. Well, thanks for the review. Okay. All right. Take care, Jack. Good luck with it. Bye bye. Now it'd be a, it'd be a better car if you could like steal it for twelve thousand. But uh, you can do what you can do. Why don't we uh, take another break? My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. And if you would like to join us, maybe you have a question about your car. Give us a call at 617-770-3030. We'll be right back. WROL Boston. Passing down generational skill sets and knowledge is part of what made this country great. We need to get back to that. I'm pastor and businessman David Mitchell. Join me and my team for a two-day training event where we share the skill sets I learned from my grandfather. I've used these skill sets to generate wealth for my own family so that I never had to take a salary from the church. We will teach you the same powerful short-term trading strategies as well as longer-term investment strategies. That way you can pass the skill sets down through several generations of your own family and help get this country back on track. New Venture on Wall Street. Build your legacy. Coming to the Boston Marriott Newton Hotel, June 24th and 25th, only $99.95 for your entire household, plus a free ticket for a friend and a full money-back guarantee. To register, call 877-907-TRADE. That's 877-907-8723. Or go to envows.com. That's N-V-O-W-S dot com. Honda Cars of Boston is Greater Boston's neighborhood Honda dealer with over 800 new Hondas available to choose from. Just five minutes from Boston on Route 99 in Everett, our beautiful new showroom makes your Honda Cars of Boston experience even better. Visit online at hondacarsofboston.com and see all of our tremendous purchase, lease, finance, and certified pre-owned specials. Honda Cars of Boston on Route 99 in Everett is the place for great buys from the Honda guys. Give them a call at 1-800-65-HONDA. You've been listening to him for over 10 years now. Hi, this is John Paul, the Car Doctor. Good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to a special Car Doctor program. He's brought on many guests. With us on the phone is Wayne Carini. Wayne Carini is the host of Chasing Classic Cars on the Velocity Channel. That was uh, Eddie Wood of Wood Brothers Racing. They're running the, the number 21 team. That's the uh, number 21 car I have with us as a guest, Ezra Dyer. Back on the phone is Lauren Fix, the car coach good morning lauren and welcome back to boston 8 30 in the morning i bet you got a shop forecast but with us on the phone is herb chambers he's taken hundreds of calls if you would like to join us 617-770-3030 617-770-3030 let's go over to line one 
Good morning, you're on the Car Doctor Program. We have the Rick Question of the Week presented by Executive Producer, Marita McKenna. And given countless amounts of advice. I like to use the gasoline stabilizer that's actually made for marine use. One in five cars on the road have a dirty air filter. One in five cars on the road have a fan belt issue. You know, obviously your clutch went bad while it was under warranty. You just weren't driving the car because it was winter time. All while keeping it real. Yeah, you know, some of those designs might have been not that well thought out. And of course, if you see an amber color fluid, could be gas, so run. That's bad. That's, that's bad. bad. Nice. Yeah, yeah. you shouldn't get an inspection sticker that way because fumes and stuff can come up. And... John Paul is the car doctor. I don't know. It's just it's just fascinating to me. Marita, have you ever been called my sidekick? We're so professional here today. <laughs> Let's take a call. Thank you for your listenership the last 10 years. Here's to 10 years more. Well, thank you very much. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program with trivia and all kinds of fun stuff. Make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, don't text while you drive, and be good to your car. Bye-bye. John, this is Pat Ryan. I just want to congratulate you on 10 solid years of broadcasting with us here at Salem Radio Boston. You are a true pro who has added great content to our airwaves. Thank you again, John. You truly are the one and only Car Doctor. Now, let's get back to the Car Doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Uh, someone called in and wanted to know where you could buy Cubond and um, Amazon. You can get it on Amazon.com. So if you're a uh, if you buy things on Amazon, you can buy it there. Uh, there, it also says it's available. At, well, it has it. It has it on Walmart's website. So I don't know if it's actually in the Walmart stores. Uh, it's JB Tool Sales. Is what it says, and the website for Cubon is uh, q-bond.com, and um, I hope that's it. I hope I just didn't give you. Uh, don't go to Cubon. Don't go to that website. It's Swedish, apparently. So, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'd try Walmart. Um, it's Cubon uh, no hyphen Cubon.net is their actual website and I'm sure on their website it probably says where you can where you can get it. Sky shot it's just you know for 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 all we've done for it he should he should send me more. And it actually it shows a picture of a motorcycle piece of a plastic motorcycle fairing that's broken and being glued back together. So where are we? Let's talk to Tom. Tom. Good morning. Morning. Beautiful day out there. Huh? Yeah. I, I read some of the reviews on the Cubon. Boy, there's some really mixed reviews on that. Yeah, it it is. It's either and but uh, the only reason I was even interested in it, I was I was hanging out with a uh, 
with one of the automotive instructors at uh, Mount Wachusett Community College, and he says to me, "Do you ever see this stuff?" And I went, "No, never even heard of it." And right. he said, "He said I've used it a couple times, and it's been phenomenal." And he said, "He said I've had really good luck." He said, "I I buy it here for the shop at the school, and I buy it for my family shop at home." And he said, "We've used it a lot for if we're taking a radio out of a dash and all those little plastic clips break." He said, "We've had really good luck with it." So. Yeah, somebody yeah. says they had good luck with it. I say, what did you use it for? If you had bad luck with it, what did you use it for? Yeah, yeah, that well. That would be my next follow-up question. Yeah. yeah, I suppose, you know, and it it shows some of the, you know, some of the pictures like a, uh, a key fob that, um, you know, the key ring end broke off of it and they glued it back together and it seems to work. Yes, yes. But this guy said to me, you know, this guy, this guy showed me and he's like... Yeah, let's glue these two pieces of metal together. And he said, okay, let it sit for a minute and now try to break it. And it actually ended up bending the metal instead of breaking the glue. So, oh, yeah, that's what but, I like. But on the other hand, who knows? You know, everything I try to glue together falls apart as soon as I, you know, because I'm usually trying to glue the wrong thing together. But Yeah, like your finger? Yeah, that. I'm pretty good at that, too, yeah. Especially <laughs> when super glue first came out. Oh. Oh, that was like, you're going to be kidding me. No. And then, And then who would have realized that, you know, every uh, you know, you find out afterwards that uh, that all the uh, forensic laboratories use it because it they use it to to get fingerprints. Yes. Yeah. They, the fumes of the super glue they put it in a chamber and it raises the fingerprints so they can see where all the fingerprints are. Now the medical field is used. I don't know if it's super glue, but a certain type of glue rather than stitches. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you know, stitches stitches aren't necessarily all that great for you either. So, you know, I, I've I've. Uh, I may, have, I may have super glued a cut together before. I don't know if I was supposed to, but I may yeah. have. Yeah, the old paper yeah. cut. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, might no. have been a little, might have been a little bit more than that, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, yeah. I've done, I've done goofy stuff like that. Sure, it's better than duct, quick... better than duct tape. Yes, I got two quick questions. Sure. Is your last name Paul, or is that your middle name Paul? No, nope, no, last name's Paul. It is okay. Yep. All the name I have. That's first it. name, first name's John, last name's Paul. Okay. Hardly related to hardly related to anybody. <laughs> Second question: the big thing you hear in the news about the airbags, mm-hmm. and it's like one company that makes them. It seems like. Yep. And I was talking to a friend of mine. He's going over to the Honda dealer. They're giving him a rental car. Yeah, if you jump up and down and moan and groan enough, Honda will actually put you in an Enterprise rent a car. I think it's Enterprise. And he, he didn't. He got notification from them. Yeah. Yeah, Say, well, come on down. Yeah. We'll give you a rental car. We don't want you using your car until yeah. we get them. Yeah, they they must have them. I guess their thought is maybe they're going to get the money back from Takata, but I think they're going to. I think they're going to have to be way waiting way in line for that to happen. But uh, and, yeah, I mean the latest round of recalls are really. I mean, we had a lawyer on two weeks ago or last week or whenever it was, and the latest round of recalls are they're really like recalling cars that have have no problems and no hint of a problem, but they think that if they don't recall them now in 10 years, they could go bad, and then they could be a problem. So they're saying, okay, recall them all now, which was the other $40 million that they just added to the recall. That's so, crazy. So they're saying, well, you know, these, these cars might not have a problem till you know, 2025. On the other hand, we're probably not going to get to them to fix them till 2020. Right. So... And I'm thinking, it's like, you know, if that was a company in today's world, wouldn't you just go bankrupt? I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet they might. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's way too many. Yeah. Way too many. Where yeah. would they get that kind of money? Yeah, and and I don't think they can't, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to replace the ones in the older cars in humid states first. So, like one guy said to me, I live in Florida in the winter. I live on the Cape in the summertime. I live in the two most humid areas, and they tell me they might be able to get to it by November or December. What should I do? And I, I said to him, don't run in anything. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, because I don't have another. I don't have another answer. I, you know, I wouldn't disconnect the airbag because there's a chance that there's nothing wrong with it, and until they can get the replacement parts, don't hit anybody. Amazing. Yeah. Well, listen, it's going to be a great weekend. That's I what I understand. The rains, the snows, it doesn't matter. It's still a great weekend. It, uh, any, any, any time you, anytime you get up and take a breath. That's it. Begin right. on that. Listen, have a great week. All right, you too, Tom. Take care. Take care. Bye bye. Hey, look, it's Paul Sullivan just making his way into the studio. It's like that line from uh, that movie Airplane, you know. Oh, no, it was, it was a naked gun. And they asked Leslie Nielsen, you ever take a risk? He goes, every time I dine out. That same, was it? Yeah, that was same it. thing. Hey, well, I was thinking, do you ever, do you ever, you had a lot of cars in your lifetime? Um, For a while. Well, yeah, now people give you things. But when you had to buy them yourself. Yes. Yes. Um, did you ever name your cars? No, never. Why? I've never been that fond of a car that I wanted to name it. Okay. Not even a term of endearment. Sometimes, like, uh, like I had the Blue Bomber and the, the Silver Bullet. and Piece of crap. My sec- No, my secretary has a name for the Jeep. Oh. Called it the Death Trap. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I, I, I worked with somebody who had a Pinto in his day and called it the Blue Flame because of the, uh, because of the uh, potential that they would catch fire. Oh, remember I just said the blue bomber? Yeah. It was a Pinto. Oh, okay. It was a blue right. Pinto, yeah. My wife, on the other hand, does name her cars. And um, uh, her PT Cruiser was Priscilla. For the P? For the P. Okay. Her her Volkswagen Cabrio was Beach Bunny. I don't know why. Okay. Did and, you take it on the beach? Uh, no. Okay. But And her her Volkswagen... Did you only use it when you're at the beach? No, uh, no, no, okay. no, but, right. uh, and her Volkswagen, uh, that she has now, it's, um, it's black with a beige roof. Yeah. And, uh, what, you know, if you use your imagination, okay, what would, what would dark beige. with a light beige top remind you of? Uh, oh no. You're putting me on the spot here. You know, and I'm going to defer to Marita. It, and sometimes it comes in a 16 ounce glass. Oh, Guinness. There we uh, go. Yeah. The Irish guy should know that, huh? (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. My apologies. So I looked at it one day and said, well, if you're going to name it, name it Guinness. And and Joanne didn't really seem to fall in love with that. I thought you were going to say she she said, brilliant. No. (laughs) But then she's sort of adapted to it now. And I actually took a, you know, I took a freshly poured Guinness and sort of held it up from mm-hmm. a distance. Yeah. And I'm like, see the resemblance? Yeah. And it was, you know, it's... It's like a piece of art. It is. Yeah. It is, exactly. So, so uh, Guinness is the latest name. But I've never named any of my cars. Even my very first car, which was a black Rambler, mm-hmm. I was tempted with just calling it Midnight Rambler from the right, Rolling exactly, Stones yeah. song. And it just never... Yeah, I just All never... Right. No. Okay. No, Not your cup of tea. Marita, name your Toyota. Ethel. Say, Ethel. People, people, and that's why people have said to me, you know, they talk about car sharing technologies and, mm-hmm. you know, not having cars. And, and I said, you know, people who think of cars as appliances are such a small percentage of the population because no one ever names their washing machine. 
No one ever says, hey, there's my new uh, <laughs> washing machine, Ethel. Never wow. happens. You're closer to your car. Like, oh, car's almost a part of you. You are. You're in it all the time. Right. You have sort of this weird, intimate relationship with it. When it when it when it starts up and it runs good, you're happy. When it doesn't, you're not. And, yeah. You know. Well, well you're talking to a gentleman this morning about the little part that you plug in, like yeah. a toaster. Yeah. But you know, when I open my hood, it's like uh, you know, it's like Kevin and Home Alone going yeah. down cellar. Yeah. It scares me. <laughs> yeah. I, I I can't do that thing. That's right. That's okay. Yeah. I can't. I can't name three Irish songs so yeah yeah see everybody has their skill yeah well yeah, no right. it's it's motivation and interest yeah. that's yeah, what it is I understand yeah and yeah. and innate talent too and you were born to be the car doctor I guess I was I heard your self-flagellation by the way <laughs> oh yeah that was great Marita did a nice job <laughs> Marita did an outstanding job I have one piece of criticism on it what's that alright Marita says that you have accepted hundreds of callers. My, I suggest you've accepted thousands yeah. of callers. Thousands, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's 500th show here, so you would think. Yeah. Yeah, so. If you average yeah. only two callers, which yeah. you, you kill, yeah. you're way more than that. Yeah. All right, except, we except go, we're cutting goes. into your time. Are you? What yeah. time is it? I don't know. It's past time. You're just bored and you want to yeah. go home. Yeah, not yet. I have, to, I have work to do still. Here? Here, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I know. By the way, Marita did a really nice job yeah, on that. She did. That nice was really job. that was really, really good. Yeah, yep. And it was a full it was a complete surprise. All of a sudden I heard it and went, What the heck's that? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was that was great. Thank Wonderful you. Job. Thank you to Marita, thank you to Santos, thank you to Pat Ryan for the nice little uh nice little uh thing in there too. So all very good. Till next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Best in Irish music with Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hit Parade coming up next. Bye bye. WROL Boston, home of the Irish Hit Parade, Saturdays 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. service of Salem Media Group.